All right, well, good morning. How are we doing? <clears throat> um, so a couple things. First of all, um, glad to be back. Always a pleasure uh, just to come back and get to share the word of the Lord. Uh, second thing is uh, about midweek. Um, came down with a nice cold, so I'm getting over it. So if I uh, sniffle a little bit, my apologies. If I sound funny, it's because I do. Um, so, yeah. You know, Michael Jordan had his uh, flu game, so I'm hoping to experience something like he did. Again, sports analogy. Gotta love it. All right. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out and flip to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Um, and we're going to be in verse, uh, verses 9 through 14. Um, a parable of Jesus, a story that Jesus shared uh, with, a, with a lesson behind it. Um, and we're just going to spend our morning... Um, in those five verses. So here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it uh, first, and then we'll, we'll dive right into it. Okay, so um, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. I've got the CSB if there's uh, any Bible translation people out there. All right, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, will not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so this is a, a parable, like I mentioned earlier, a parable of Jesus. So he shares a story with a meaning, with a purpose, with a lesson behind it. But what I love about this parable is that it's, very specific in that it gives us the audience that Jesus was speaking to. Right off the bat, it tells us the group of people he was speaking to. It tells us, the, the author of Luke, Luke um, writes and says, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So the people that Jesus was speaking to trusted in themselves and treated everybody else differently because, well, they just couldn't keep up with how good they were. That's the group of people that Jesus is speaking to. They, they thought they had it all together, and because everyone else didn't, they treated them with contempt. Some translations even say they despised other people because, well, they just weren't as good as them. They looked down. They didn't care about those people. That's who Jesus was speaking to. And as I studied this text, I found the first call out of this was just looking at the audience and asking myself, am I one of these guys? Is this me? And I think that's our cause to examine our hearts right away and ask, am I one of them? How do I treat the people outside of the church? How do I think about those that, that aren't in a home church or, or don't go to church on Sunday or would not proclaim our beliefs and religion and follow Jesus? How, how do I feel and treat them? Or maybe even how do I treat 
and accept people who come into church, come into our building on a Sunday morning when rumors say Friday night, I don't know that they should be here. How do I accept them? How do I, how do I think about them? Do I despise them? Do I look down upon them differently? Or am I loving and am I gracious? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we don't call out sin. I'm not saying we, don't, we ignore sin. I'm not saying we, we ignore those things and we don't go evangelize and bring people into the church. I'm not saying we don't do that. But are we doing those things out of love or out of contempt, out of looking down on somebody else? And Jesus here even gives us a great picture of it, right? He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. He didn't go off in the corner, gather all the humble people, and tell this about those other people. Jesus speaks this parable to them. He does it in a very loving and direct way, but he speaks it to them. So, the first call, are we one of them? How do we think about those people? But that is the audience that Jesus has, and that's who he wants to share this story, this lesson, to. So let's get into the parable. All right, verse 10. Jesus starts off by explaining, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So Jesus starts off by telling us the two uh, main people in this uh, parable, in this story, and they're two people that are going to the same place at the same time to do the same thing. They're all both going to the temple at the same time because the Pharisee actually ends up referencing the tax collector. So they were there at the same time, and they were doing the same thing. They were praying. But we have two very, very different people here. Very, very different people here. The Pharisee and the tax collector, they were on complete different spectrums, complete other sides of the spectrum. But the Pharisees, let's understand what they are. The Pharisees, they were religious, the religious leaders at the time. Right? They, they were the people who um, led the, the religious right. Now, that's a terrible term to use. My apologies. They were the people that led the religious groups. They, they led the temples. They led everybody through that. They actually were people that developed in between the Old and New Testament, what we would call the intertestamental period. All right? And in their name, Pharisee actually means set apart ones. That's what Pharisee means, set apart ones. They dressed in these nice robes. They liked to be noticed. If someone was going to be righteous at this point in time, it should be one of these guys. They knew the law. They studied the scriptures. If somebody was going to be righteous, it was these Pharisees. It was these guys. But the tax collectors, on the other hand, tax collectors were not seen in the same light. They were not seen the same way the Pharisees were. These were sketchy guys. They were known for their greed. Right? They were known for their greed, for, for being traitors. They worked for the Roman Empire. Right? They worked for the Roman Empire, which inflicted a whole lot of suffering upon the Jews at that time. They, they were traitors. They went to the guys who were punishing and, and, and just being ruthless to their fellow Jews. You did not want these guys in your neighborhood. These weren't guys that you trusted, weren't guys that you would look at and think, man, these guys have it all together. Those are the two characters, the two people we have in this story. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And Jesus then goes into their prayers. So here's the Pharisee's prayer, starting in verse 11. 
the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything that I get. So the first thing Jesus explains to his audience is the Pharisee's posture. Right? He says he is um, standing and praying like this about himself. A lot of translations would say he's standing by himself or praying to himself. All signs point to both being the case. I mean, his name, he, the group he's with is a Pharisee or a set-apart one. So he's got to kind of set himself apart from all the other people at the temple. Right? And he's praying to himself, and ultimately he's praying about himself. See, ultimately, the, his posture shows us that all he is concerned about is himself and his own righteousness, what he has done. That's what his posture says. But does his prayer say anything different? Sadly, no. He begins his prayer by thanking God, which is a great start, right? But thanking God that he is different and he is more righteous than all the others. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Now, let's understand, um, this is different than just being thankful that the Lord was gracious and kept us from sin and temptation. This is very different. And, and praise God, I mean, I praise God for the things that he has kept me from. But what the Pharisee does with that is he makes himself better than everybody else. He doesn't say, Lord, like, I, I'm the same, you've just been gracious. No, he says, yeah, you know, I'm just different, thanks God, I mean, I'm better than everybody else. And he starts to then list off his resume, his, his list of sins that he hasn't done. says, I'm not greedy, I'm not unrighteous, or an adulterer. And at this point in time, probably kind of glances to the side, like, who else is here? Oh, yeah, tax collector. I'm, I'm way better than this guy. He's not even close. Basically, he's saying, hey, God, look at what I haven't done. You know, you, you said to not do all these things. I, I haven't done them. Look at me. And I haven't been doing them like all these other people. And even those that, that haven't done it, I still, you know, I'm not as greedy as, you know, the people that aren't greedy. I'm, you know, way far beyond even the, the good people out there. But he doesn't just stop at the things he hasn't done. Then he goes on to list some things that he has done. He says, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything that I get. He says, okay, not only have I not done those things, God, um, but I've done so much more than what you've asked. Like, I, I've surpassed the righteousness that you asked me. It's not even close. He says, I'm so generous. I'm so good. I'm so sacrificial. I fast twice a week. Some people don't even fast once a week. They don't even fast for a meal. Come on now. I fast twice. Look at me. Now, let's understand, there's nothing inherently wrong with these things, right? Like tithing, there's nothing wrong with that. God asks us to do that. We should do that. Fasting, Jesus even says, when you fast, fast this way. That implies that fasting is going to take place. So fasting, tithing, you know, not being greedy, being faithful, those are good things, and we're called to pursue them. But what the Pharisee has done is used it to separate himself from everybody else and ultimately that has led him to trust his own actions. He is trusting in himself his, to come up with his righteousness and, and ultimately then himself to be righteous before the Lord. It's all him. And, and we can look back and, and read his prayer and in every instance, in every action, 
the Pharisee is the one acting. The Lord is really nowhere to be found. It's all the Pharisee. That's who he's worked for. And ultimately, these things um, have led him and his trusting in his own righteousness has diminished his need for God. Now, he, he's a, he thanks God, but ultimately in his prayer, he doesn't need God because he's got it all figured out, which leads him to trust himself and not the Lord. But then Jesus goes into the tax collector's prayer, okay? The tax collector's prayer. And he starts it off in verse 13 with but, which shows there's going to be a contrast. Something is different, drastically different between these two prayers. It says, verse 13, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Already the tax collector is seen not a, with a different posture, but a different mindset. Okay? The, the tax collector, like the Pharisee, has separated himself. He stands far off, but where are his eyes? His eyes are down. He can't even get himself to look up to the heavens. And he strikes and beats his chest, which is showing his guilt, his shame, his remorse over his sin. It's a very different posture. Yes, they're both standing and separated between the whole group, but the mindset, the Pharisee says, hey, 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 look at me, and the, the tax collector says, I'm a sinner. And then he looks as he is expressing his guilt, he looks to God in his plea and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Ultimately, he uses God's righteousness, he uses God's standard, not comparing himself to the people across, but uses God's standard of righteousness as his goal and the aim, which leads him to see what he truly is. He sees himself for who he truly is, a sinner, right? He acknowledges who he truly is. He doesn't minimize who he is. I'm, you know, kind of a sinner sometimes. He doesn't make light of it or, or make a joke about, you know, yeah, you know, I struggled the other day, but it's all good. We're moving on. He doesn't make light of it. He acknowledges it, admits that he is a sinner before a holy God. And when the tax collector asks for God's mercy, he's not asking God just to blindly, you know, ignore his sin. He's actually asking him to, to do something, to act, to atone for or make propitiation for his sin. He's acknowledging the fact that, look, God, I know I am hopeless in and of myself. I can't change or cover my sin. It's all up to you. You're my only hope, as Leah proclaims to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, the Lord was his only hope, and he acknowledges that and looks to the Lord's mercy. And then Jesus drops what I think would be a bomb on this audience. Drops a bomb on this audience in verse 14. He says, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified, rather than the other. Now, the first part of that statement wouldn't have really been the bomb. I mean, it would have surprised them, for sure. Like, whoa, the tax collector was justified? The tax collector was made right with God? But ultimately, that would have been kind of cool. The underdog, all right. He got it. But I think the, the, the real bomb, what would have really rocked this audience is the last four words, where he says, rather than the other. Because what this does is it shows the audience that the Pharisee, in his arrogance and his pride and his own righteousness, trusting in himself, left him unjustified. 
as to where the tax collector, who put his hope solely in the Lord, was justified. I mean, remember this audience was a group of people who trusted in themselves, like the Pharisee. You probably hear that and think, what? But he, he fasts twice a week. He gives a tithe of everything he gets. He wasn't greedy or adulterous or, or you know, all those other things. But Jesus drops the bomb and says, rather than the other. And this leads us and, and kind of begs the question, I think, which all passages should lead us to, which is, so what? Right? You might be asking, okay, uh, Taylor, you've gone on for 15 minutes about this parable, about these prayers. So what? What does that have to do with me? What does it mean for us? I mean, the Pharisee was trusting in his own righteousness. What does that have to do with me? Well, the question is, he was trusting in his own righteousness. Are we? What are we trusting in? What is our hope for justification, for being made right with God, placed in? Is it the same way the Pharisee was doing it? Is it in what we are doing and what are we, how we are acting? Or is it in the Lord? And I think a question that, that drives to the heart of this is if you were to meet God at the gate of heaven and he asks you, why should I let you in? What would your response be? And honestly, not, not that I necessarily think this is going to be a question we're going to be asked, but what it does is it reveals to us what we're really trusting in, what we're really hoping in. I mean, would we say, like the Pharisee, I fast twice a week? Would we say, like the Pharisee, I give, give a tithe of everything that I get? Would I answer, I, I attend church every Sunday or most Sundays, but say I read my devotions in the morning, what would we say? Would we even answer and say, you know what, God, I believe in you. I mean, we could take a walk through James and see that the demons believe in God. And it leads them to shudder. What are we hoping in in order to be justified? And honestly, none of these, obviously, none of these truly meet the standard that we are asked to meet. None of those truly meet the standard of righteousness that, that the Lord has required of us. Even on our holiest day, we fall short. Paul writes in Romans, no one is righteous, no, not one. He also writes that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even, I, I love what J.C. Ryle says. He says, there is something even in our greatest works, the greatest things that we do that need redeemed. Even our best actions, the best things we can put forward are still stained by sin. And God makes it clear, and Jesus makes it clear, there at the end when he says, um, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He makes it clear that he accepts and justifies the one who humbly looks to his mercy while rejecting the ones that are exalting and trusting in themselves. And this is, this is challenging, this is hard, this is always a hard parable for me to read because it's challenging to my own heart. But what it also is, is extremely encouraging. It's extremely encouraging. Why? Well, it's because the person in this parable, the tax collector, the sinner who is seeking God's mercy, finds it. The tax collector finds the mercy of God. And us, any sinner who is seeking 
the mercy of God finds it. We know where, because of God's revelation, we know where we find it. We find it in the person work of Jesus Christ. And that, back to that question I asked, what, what would you say to God? Any, any answer that, that doesn't go back to Jesus' righteousness, any answer that says, um, that says anything but I have nothing, it's all Jesus. Anything that says, you know what, nothing in my hands I bring, I'm simply clinging to Jesus and the cross and his work, is off base. He has to be our hope. And this is the good news of the gospel. The fact that Jesus paid it all, and that crimson stain that sin has left is washed by him. We need to always remember that Jesus' call is not one that we are to improve morally and just do better and just be better. But he calls us to humbly look to and seek God's mercy. No matter our failures, no matter um, how broken we are, how sinful we feel, we are called to humbly call on his mercy, on his mercy. And therefore we will find it in Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this too. He said, the greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit, which makes, us, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. And my prayer, and after reflecting, reflecting upon this, my, my prayer is that we look away from and deny this great enemy of self-righteousness, of pride and arrogance, and humbly look to the mercy of God seen in Jesus. When we humbly look to the mercy of God in Jesus, we find rest. Now, rest, again, is not a rest of inactivity. It's not one where we just get to sit down, but it's a rest that leads us to obedience, that is empowered by his grace and mercy. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy um, that we see in Jesus. Um, Help us, Lord, not to to minimize our sin, to to make light of it, but, Lord, uh, let us marvel at the grace and mercy um, you've given us in Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.